This is Saving Grace, Living in Light of God's Love, a podcast ministry brought to you by Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. Well, welcome to Saving Grace. My name is Simon Eastwick. I am your host this week and uh, just want to continue to pray uh, for Carmen Pate as uh, she uh, battles leukemia. Thank you for your prayers uh, uh, as, uh, as we uh, partner with her uh, in this. We look forward to the day when she will return, and I will no longer be sitting here, but she will. <laughs> so, uh, Carmen, get well. Before we begin, I just wanted to tell you a little bit about a new aspect of our website that you could uh, check out. It is called partnerwithgrace.org. This is a site where we share different resources. Uh, it is a site where you can find specific items to support for the school. We created this because people told us that they wanted to give to specific needs. For example, you can help support a course. You can help support a piece of technology. You can help support students. Uh, so it's very targeted, and we sure would love your feedback on it uh, as you check it out. Let us know what you think. Uh, but it's a, it's a new resource for people that are interested in determining how they would like to donate to Grace School of Theology. Partnerwithgrace.org. Well, listen, we're in the, in the midst of uh, a, a, an opportunity to talk to uh, Scott Pollock, who is the lead pastor of Faith Bible Church. And we are talking about our favorite subject, grace. And uh, Scott has written a, a booklet called Grace, and uh, it has some really great... Um, sort of provocative thoughts in there about what grace is, what grace is not, um, what are some of the misconceptions of grace. And so we're in the midst of a conversation. Uh, so welcome back. Thank you. Uh, to, uh, to our podcast. We sure appreciate your time uh, coming and uh, sharing with us. Um, you know, we, last week in our, in our conversation, we were talking about some of the imposters that uh, sort of masquerade as, as, as grace. Uh, we've talked about sort of some of the basics of grace and some of the experience that you've had with grace. Um, one of the things that uh, you had in your book, booklet was this uh, idea of um, what, what grace is not. And you share a story in there about sa saving private from the movie Saving Private Ryan, that is the antithesis of grace. Uh, to make a great point, would you sort of relay that point, the story that you made there? Sure. No, no deference to Steven Spielberg or Tom Hanks. Great or movie. Stephen Ambrose wrote right. the book, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, I've read Band of Brothers um, by Stephen Ambrose. It's a great book. But I, th I think it's just a line in 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 Band of Brothers that is the is the seed thought for Saving Private Ryan. And so mm. the actual simple storyline behind the movie is, is historical fact. There was um, four brothers and three of them, uh, all in the war, three of them died, and the government wanted to rescue the fourth. And so that, that movie is one of my favorites, uh, I think a classic World War II movie. And that period of time in world history is very special to me. My grandfather, Michael Swartz, is a bronze star um, um, from D-Day. He's in the Coast Guard, and, and he rescued a lot of people out of the water on that day. And, and so I, I love World War II history mm. in, in all of its horrors, right, but right. in the beautiful redemption stories that you find in there. So uh, Saving Private Ryan, t 
to not to spoil the movie, even though it's a long, it's got a it's got a long age to it already. Um, but in the end, when Captain Miller and his crew has found the real James Francis Ryan and identified him, and they want to take him back, and he doesn't want to go to, he's with his he's with his troop, his group, and uh, they're protecting a bridge, a very important bridge, and so uh, Captain Miller decides to stay protected with him and um, in the defense of that bridge uh, almost everybody dies uh, Captain Miller is sitting in the middle of the bridge mortally wounded um, and Ryan and only a few others are are left alive and Ryan comes up to Miller um, in the end as, as he dies basically his last words and Miller looks around at all of the death around him and then he catches Ryan's eyes and then he looks around again and he just says earn this. And he looks around again. I think he says it twice. Earn this. Mm. He's saying to Ryan, you know, it costs a lot to rescue you. So make your life count now. So make the, make the cost of your rescue worth it sort of thing. Right. And I, I, I never heard this in a sermon or read it in a book, but it, it came to me one day that that's, that's the way a lot of Christians view God's grace. Um, it's free. He didn't, you don't have, Ryan didn't have to pay for it. He didn't even ask for it. It came and they sought him and rescued him. But in the end, it's almost as if it's Jesus from the cross looks down to us and says, earn this. Right. It cost me everything. So now you better live up to your end of the bargain sort of thing. And I think that's a, a terribly misleading and unbiblical view of the, God's gift of grace. In, in many ways, that, that idea of earning, I have, I have come to think of as the antithesis of grace. Um, I, I get this from, again, a, a great friend of mine named uh, Dr. Bill Yarger, who I worked with at our church for a long time, and who's a PhD in biblical counseling, just a brilliant counselor and friend. And he, he said to me and, and taught our church many times that, that grace is not opposed to effort, Grace is diametrically opposed to the idea of earning. And there's a difference between the two. And that has been very, very important in my understanding. Very, almost like a, a stake in the ground for the way I understand grace. And so in, in that way, grace is not opposed to uh, obedience, to repentance, to good works, to all manner of confession and following Jesus in action, etc., but it is opposed to, by, by definition, it's opposed to the idea of owing or earning back because that's not what you do with gifts. You don't earn gifts. Otherwise, it wouldn't be called a gift. It would be called a wage in the New Testament. Uh, but grace is a gift. Um, um, Romans speaks of it as a free gift several times. And, and gifts aren't earned and they're not owed back. So that, that illustration, I hope, was helpful in the book and because I know it's helpful for me. And as, I've, as I shared it with our church for the first time a couple weeks ago, I had, I had several people comment to me after, and they said, that, that really helped me understand um, the Saving Private Ryan. Again, um, thank you, Steven Spielberg. Thank you, Tom Hanks. Thank you, Stephen Ambrose. But I, without any deference to, to them, um, it, it helped me illustrate something in a negative way. Yeah, well, it was a it was it was a very good point, and I as I as I read through the the, the material that you put together, it just jumped off the page because I thought it's sometimes great to have an example of what something isn't 
sure. understand what something is. Of course. Right? A so, point of reference is right. very important. Sure. Yeah. And so you just mentioned the word obedience. Um, that's something else that comes through this the material that you wrote. Um, obedience is, is important in the life of the believer. Um, so if anybody, for example, listens to this podcast and they get that, well, grace is free. Great. I, I've got that. Good. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Now I can do what I want. I'm in. I can do what I want. <laughs> right. Wrong. Uh, <laughs> wrong. Exactly. In fact, yeah. um, Paul writes and others write uh, many different scriptures about the fact that, no, 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 that's definitely not the way that... May it never be. Yeah. May it never be. Right. Um, but what are some of the benefits of the believer being obedient? What are some of the things that, that you, you'd want to point out about there, obedience? There are manifold uh, um, benefits to obedience. First of all, obedience is the, the, the will of God for, for every believer mm. um, and the full will of God for every believer. So God desires none of us to accept a free gift from him and then abuse it, then live a life that does not confirm the beauty of that gift in our life, etc. So obedience is absolutely central to discipleship. Sanctification is all about obedience. Um, following Jesus, I, I think, involves two real simple concepts. Being a disciple of Jesus is about nearness to Him. I get this from Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Nearness to Him and then appropriation of His, his character, His values, and His mission. That's what discipleship is all about. And so a, a, Almost all of that is about obedience, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, obedience uh, offers many gifts in the the life of the believer. It protects us because there are, there is discipline and consequences to sin. Um, That's what good fathers do. And so the book of Hebrews will tell us, um, chapter 12 and 13 will tell us that God disciplines his children because he's a good father. Um, Obedience protects us from God's discipline. Obedience protects us from the consequences of sin that are even outside of God's discipline. Um, uh, some, something like maybe his allowance, the things that are negative that happen to us because of foolishness, because of sin. Obedience protects us from that. Obedience also looks forward to our rewards in heaven. Rewards at the judgment seat of Christ is super biblical. I'm not sure how anybody could deny that presence of, of those ideas in the scriptures. Um, so it looks forward to pleasing Jesus, to be able to hear, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into your rest. Um, obedience, that's about obedience. Obedience also looks, looks back um, and says, I, I want to I bless um, God. I want to bless Jesus. I want to bless his kingdom. And I want to make my life matter here. God has put me here and allowed me air in my lungs um, for a specific reason, and I want to bless him. I want to build his kingdom. I want to bless his church. And, um, and so obedience looks back. It looks forward. It protects us. It sets us free. It gives us great joy because, um, as First John tells us, you cannot claim to have intimacy with Jesus and sin willfully and do what you want. Um, that only comes by obedience. So obedience is the doorway into great intimacy with Jesus. Obedience is the only way to have a close relationship with Jesus. So a person, unfortunately, the scriptures say, can accept God's free gift of grace in salvation by placing their faith in Jesus as their Savior. And then they can't abuse that. The one thing they cannot do is have great impact in the kingdom or be very close to Jesus in intimacy if they 
um, abuse grace and, and willfully sin and do what they want. So there are manifold benefits to obedience at the center of discipleship and sanctification. It's a long-winded answer to a short question. That was, that was, a, that was, a, great, that was a great answer. Um, you know, it's interesting. So if somebody is sort of misunderstanding grace in a sense, right, mm-hmm. Um, or they're not living in the right way, they're not living in obedience. Um, does fear come into the picture a lot in that sort of, with the way that they, they, they're living out their faith or they're not living out their faith in a sense? Yeah, absolutely, sure. And what does that do that, to the believer if they're, if they're living in fear all the time? It handicaps them in, in lots of ways, for sure. Um, I think fear is a big tactic of the enemy. I think that's why the scriptures, especially the New Testament in the Psalms, et cetera, speak to fear um, so directly um, that the enemy, Satan, loves to use fear um, to handicap believers, to um, steal their joy, do all these things. And so what, what grace does is um, can really chop down the, the trunk of the tree of fear kind of, and kill the root even. Um, because when, when people struggle from what we call last week in our sermon series, kind of spiritual hypochondria. Mm. You know, there. Am, am I saved? Am I still saved? Did I lose it? Um, how do I know if I'm going to heaven, et cetera? So lots of fear in that, lots of doubt, lots of insecurity. Mm. And what grace does is come and say, hey, let, let me t- tell you about the nature of a gift. Let me tell you about what God does in grace. And, and as you understand the truth of that, very biblical truth of that, I think what happens is fear diminishes. The shadows, they don't lengthen, they shorten. Hopefully they go away, and uh, the Christian becomes much more free, much more joyful. And I think, I'm convinced that that's how God wants us to live. Mm. So there are lots of people writing about, you know, assurance and security and a lack of fear. But sometimes I, I struggle with the idea that when they work it out biblically or they work it out in the meat of their books or their pamphlets, um, they really don't come to a full conclusion where, where fear is is erased, they they move the football to another end of the field, or or they they change the rules a little bit, and and they just prolong the idea in different areas, and that's that's been one of my struggles. If if that's if that's clear or not here, I don't know, but um, I, I think the the truth of God's grace, as you work it out, as you study it, um, it can powerfully affect the presence of fear in the believer's life, and. Um, almost eliminated altogether. You know, in First John 4, the perfect love of God, um, perfect love casts out all fear. And I think what better, what better picture of God's love and perfect love is there than, other than Jesus on the cross, mm. um, which is the, is the picture of the free gift of grace. Absolutely. You, you state in your book, and I'm going to read this verbatim because I think it's really, it's really neat. No, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. Okay, here we go. <laughs> For a Christian, obedience should never be an effort to earn God's favor or love. This is contrary to the nature of a gift. You say security of salvation by grace is intended as a powerful motivator towards faithfulness, not a free ticket to to rebel without consequence. Like a person rescued from a burning building by a firefighter, we live a new life out of a deep sense of gratitude. You know... Do, do you see, do you, do you have any stories around that or anything that you've seen in people's lives, people that have really caught this, they understand they've been saved from this fire and they're excited because they realize, wow, from here on, 
it's all different. It all changes. Sure. A lady came up to, to me last week and uh, with tears in her eyes, she said, you know, Scott, I, I grew up in, in the church in a different tradition and um, it, it tended to be a little bit more legalistic. It tended to, to talk about grace, but, but not really work it out. And uh, so that led me to an exercise, she said, um, to go through the New Testament. She read through the entire New Testament and kept a notebook of specific commands and points of obedience that um, Jesus and the rest of the apostles um, spoke of. So she kept a notebook. It was almost line by line of different commands, the things that she was supposed to do. Then she carried that notebook around with her as a, as a checklist, almost daily, um, checking off, has she done these things? Has she done enough? Has she failed in any way? And um, reading into a little bit of what she said, I, I think that was a place of deep fear. And um, I, I was talking to her as tears were streaming down her face and she couldn't say anything anymore. And I said, is it good to be free from that? And she just smiled really big and she says, yeah, ab- absolutely. Grace has, grace has set me free from that. Yeah. Now, what we continue to think about and, and talk about, and I'm, I'm sure what she meant was, that doesn't set me free from the desire to do all these things because they're still commands, right? But it changes the nature of her notebook. See, her notebook was a, a, a checklist on whether or not she was still with God in God's good graces is what we say or, you know, et cetera. But now the notebook has become for her, if she still uses it, I'm, I'm putting words in her mouth now, but right. the, the notebook would become, become for her a, uh, a checklist of things that she would want to do out of gratitude for God's freedom right. and what she does in order to maintain intimacy with Jesus and live a fully orbed life of discipleship. And that's a, that is a radical change, very big difference. Mm-hmm. So the il- illustration of, you know, one line illustration of somebody being rescued from a fire. Um, I think if somebody was rescued from a burning building by a firefighter, I think the rest of their life, whenever they saw a firefighter, they would, their heart would turn and they would go, oh, those glorious people. Right. They do great work. They rescue people. They save. That's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Um, and God's grace would lead us to do the same thing when we think of God's grace. When we think of Jesus' sacrifice, we would say, oh, what amazing grace that saved the wretch like me. Mm-hmm. It didn't, it didn't put me on a new track so now I can do whatever I want. It, but it does change my perspective and oh, now I want to please him. Now I want to draw close to him out of love, out of gratitude. And that's a pretty big change, pretty big difference. Absolutely. So grace should sort of affect everything that we do. Yeah, I think so. Right? I mean, you know, again, I'm, I'm using grace as a, um, if you want a Venn diagram or something like that, right? I mean, Jesus... Jesus' sacrifice, death on the cross, I think the idea of grace fully overlaps with that. So I'm using grace a bit synonymously for Jesus' work on the cross, Jesus' sacrifice for me, Jesus' death and resurrection. So absolutely, that is at the very center of our entire life and everything that we do, I believe. And I don't think that's an overstatement. Yeah. So it should kind of cross relationships, how you share your faith, whether you live in humility, uh, whether you forgive others, are you generous? I mean... It really should affect everything. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Do you think sometimes, though, that people think that they can take God and put him in this box and then they can live the rest of their life? Ah, you and I are doing that. Yeah. I mean, I think it's inescapable as a human, you right. know. And so um, 
we, we always try to understand God in a certain way. And the struggle with that is our understanding will inevitably be too small. Right. And so we think we start to understand God. You know, I mean, I think heroes in the faith, scholars um, and preachers at the end of 60-year ministries, they they come to think, and I'm sure I, I'll struggle with the same thing, they come to think that, man, I, I really know Jesus well. I know God well. Well, God is infinite. And after 10,000 years in heaven being in his presence fully without any filter, we will still only be scratching the surface of knowing who he is because right. he's infinite. And so... Yeah, our, our boxes are always too small. And I think the, the grace box is a particularly important box that's uh, too yeah. small for us. So how do, we, how do we live outside the box? I mean, how do we really move ourselves as Christians, if we're believers, forward and live a grace-filled life? That's really my, my hope behind, you know, the little booklet that I wrote for our church. And in that, my answer to that is um, in, in the scriptures, go back to the scriptures, keep going back to the scriptures and trying to understand uh, a, the biblical understanding of grace and the gospel and what Jesus has done and live that out. That's the only way that we sort of stretch the box so that it breaks um, and we begin to to move outward um, in freedom, in joy, in ministry, in mission, and obedience. And um, yeah, I, I that that's again really the hope behind the booklet is that people's too the boxes that are too small become broken because the our understanding of God our appreciation our joy in God um, overwhelms it. So, <laughs> what would you say to somebody who's listening to this podcast who is hearing what we're saying? They have a general understanding of the Word of God. They're at this point where they're like, I think I need this. I, I need this Savior. What, what would you tell them uh, about accepting Christ? And how First, I would say I'm typically much more funny than I am now on the podcast. That's what I would say. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. <laughs> so beyond um, that. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say that what Jesus Christ has done for you on the cross is overwhelmingly larger than you could ever imagine that it would be. Right. Um, and it is, at, on, at one glance both the most ineffable and infinite gift ever offered, and it's offered to you in the simplest possible way. Mm. And only God could do that. Yeah. Only God could wrap such an infinite gift in the simple package. Uh, I, what I mean by simple, again, is, is, not, is not cheap. Uh, it's not to rub the corners off the gospel. It's not to, to low-hang the fruit, okay, uh, but it is to say that God offers this gift that he purchased at an, an infinite price to us freely. And there's only one condition to get the free gift of grace in eternal life, salvation, forgiveness, redemption, all those things that um, go together. And that is to place your faith in Jesus, to trust him, to put the weight of your life on him like sitting on a chair. Um, that is the simple gospel. And it involves much more than that, but God offers it to us so simply. And the the one condition of faith in Jesus is so simple and beautiful that only God could do that. Because if man were writing the story, even if I was writing that story, it would not be that way. Right. You know, I would have people crawling up stairs on their knees, you know, and jumping through hoops of fire and and earning their way because that's the way humans do it. Yeah. It's a quid pro quo human culture that we live in. But God rebels against that 
in offering something so free and so beautiful. And, and that's the beauty of the gospel. So I would beg people um, everywhere, and I do this regularly whenever I get the opportunity, beg people to see Jesus in truth, to read him in the scriptures in truth, and to view what the cross really means in their life, because it, it is the most important thing that's ever happened. It's the center of history, and the gospel is magnificently large, but so very simple, mm. and God offers it to us freely. Um, yeah, and my whole life is about that. I, yeah. I, my life has been radically changed about that. It's the only thing I love talking about besides my wife and kids. And, um, and that's, yeah, I want to spend the rest of my life sharing the gospel with people, encouraging people to trust in Jesus and believe the gospel and then live it out in their life. Yeah, so it's, I mean, it's everything. So people listening to this, I would say, um, put your faith in Jesus and trust in Jesus and then immediately go out, follow him in obedience, and then tell other people about the grace of Jesus. Um, sure. So how do I do that if I'm listening to this podcast wherever I am in the world, yeah. and I, I'm like, I want to do that? What do I need to say? Again, there's no formula, right. but when I, when I talk to people about it, I love to formalize mm. um, and memorialize that in a prayer. Um, so if somebody was giving me a physical gift... I think the extension of my hands towards them, the placement of that gift in my hands, then the retention of my hands to my chest and say, thank you for that. This is the reception of a gift. So if, if forgiveness and life and eternity is offered as a free gift because of what Jesus has already done, I would encourage people to receive it. And so I, I memorialize that in a prayer and um, I've had lots of people who pray that by themselves in their room at night, you know, away from me, um, or we pray together. And a prayer could be very simple right now, and that person could bow their head as they're listening to us and, and say, God, I, th I think I understand what you've done for me in Jesus Christ. And I, I think I'm beginning to see what the death of Jesus Christ on the cross and the resurrection, his resurrection from the grave means for me. And... I want to say thank you for offering me that gift. And I want to say I'm trusting in Jesus and I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I'm putting the weight of my life in Jesus Christ. And then the next moment I can say, thank you, God, for giving me that gift. Yeah. Thank you for giving me life. Thank you for forgiving me in this moment. Thank you for filling me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for adopting me, writing my name in your book. And m my heart is overwhelmed with gratitude at the freeness and the beauty of this gift. So thank you, God, for that. Um, and we pray in Jesus' name, amen. And then the next thing is to get up um, from that place, understanding that you are secure in that. Mm. Um, God has declared you to be righteous in his sight because of what Jesus has done, not because of what you have done. There's no earning of it. There's no paying it back. But now you get to live the beautiful life of obedience and nearness to Jesus um, and growing to become more like him, knowing that your salvation is secure. It can never be touched, can never be lost um, without trying to pay it back, but to, to walk in, in um, the joy of, of trying to now get to know and be as close to Jesus as possible, the Savior. Um, that's what, that's what uh, everything's all about. So, uh, I, again, there's no, there's no prayer that's necessary. Um, and... I just try to memorialize it and formalize it with a prayer with people as a way of receiving the gift.
Um, so it's simple, but it's uh, it's life changing. The most important decision anybody can ever and make. Eternity right? changing, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, listen, Scott. I want to thank you for spending some time with us on the, the Saving Grace podcast, My sharing pleasure. your heart and your passion, uh, and your insights uh, about grace and how important it is to you uh, as you pastor and as you live out your life uh, uh, in in our community. And so, thank you. Thanks for coming on, and uh, we'll look forward to having you back sometime. Thanks so much, Simon. Appreciate it. All right. During this episode, we have referenced a booklet that Pastor Scott Pollock wrote called Grace. If you'd like to get a copy of this booklet, you can download it from gsot.edu slash 23. Contact us at any time. You can always reach us at savinggrace at gsot.edu. We so welcome your comments, your questions. Uh, They are so valuable to us, and we will do our best in future episodes to respond to, to the questions posed. You have been listening to Saving Grace, a podcast ministry of Grace School of Theology. For more information, visit gsot.edu slash savinggrace. Views expressed on this podcast may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.